0: Welcome to Distrust and Disparities, Dismantling Black Health Disparities Podcast. We examine health disparities that disproportionately affect Black women and Black families. In addition, we amplify organizations and individuals working to dismantle racist health practices and systems to improve health outcomes for marginalized communities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore a registered nurse and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Camille White. Do not ask a woman what her intentions are with her uterus. Why not? Because it's none of your business. My uterus, my business.
1: In this episode, we share our thoughts and opinions about the documentary called Eggs Over Easy: Black Women and Fertility. This film discusses the struggles and societal pressures Black women face when it comes to reproduction.
0: So, this week we decided to watch the documentary Eggs Over Easy, which was written, produced, and directed by Shaquita Lockley. It's narrated by Keisha Knight Pullum, and she's also an executive producer of the documentary. We've been talking about a lot of reproductive rights. We covered James Marion Sims. We discussed abortion and how Roe v. Wade was redacted. And we also covered a case about miscarriage and just like pregnancy related prosecution. So this week, we just wanted to round off our reproductive series with just a discussion about infertility and just the struggles to have a baby. I know. A lot of times, most people think, oh, you can just have a baby anytime. You know, if you want to have a baby, you can have a baby. But oftentimes, there are struggles in place. And we wanted to just sit down, watch a documentary, and learn. So we'll discuss our opinions, some of the key things that stood out to us. I will say, to start, the documentary was very well produced. I learned a lot. I like how they broke down key diseases or issues or words that even as a healthcare professional, I would not know myself. I've heard the terms, but I maybe do not know the full definition. So they broke it down in such a simple way that anybody can understand it if you're not a healthcare professional. So I'll start off by saying that.
1: Yeah, I appreciated that, too, where you have these little sort of bubbles with text and explaining like something that someone just said when speaking to the camera, because that's really helpful. You can get context clues a little bit, but that is really helpful when you are trying to teach people about fertility. There are so many different terms and things that you are unaware of. A lot of times until you're just in the midst of it, because that another big takeaway for me is that they were just really pressing the point of education and access to Mm -hmm. information and how most women don't even get any of that until you're in the midst of Uh going through your fertility journey. You're not told this, you know, definitely not in sex education and not even as like a young adult going to like your gynecologist. It isn't until you maybe reach that specific age or you just happen to then get pregnant that then those conversations are happening. And it's really important that we're having them Well before that point. So you can really understand all the options available to you. And then one thing I really liked of it starting out is just the discussion about women's bodies in general Mm -hmm. or that people feel it's appropriate to make out loud observations about, you know, pregnant people or people who they assume are pregnant it started out with saying, do not ask a woman what her intentions are with her uterus because it's
0: none of your business. Mm -hmm. And And it's crazy. I wrote down the same quote. I was like, (laughs) yeah. "Yeah."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because people are still so obsessed with like being in your business in that way that, you know, even Keisha narrating was talking about how like People even feel the need to be like, "Are you pregnant?" to someone that they mm-hmm. think might be. Where it's just like, wh- "Where are your manners? Where were you raised? That, like that's appropriate." But unfortunately, a lot of people were raised, and like we're in a society that like people feel comfortable to make those comments when it is none of your business. You don't need to be asking somebody that's been married for several years when they're going to have kids. They'll let you know because you don't know right. their struggles. You don't know the any adversity that they've been going through that. They've been keeping to themselves and trying to cope with on their own. But then it also pointed to how like a lot of times that can be detrimental because you are going through something on your own and needing to find a community of people to discuss your struggles with. Because when you go through it on your own, you feel like you're the only one and no one else will understand when unfortunately so many people understand your struggle.
0: There is this big stigma and taboo about having children. And I was a little shocked about the statistics because it's pretty, it's more common than you would expect. So the -hmm. statistics they gave in the documentary was one in eight women experience infertility and one in four women, their pregnancies end in a miscarriage. Like if you just look at your group of friends or just the women in your family, you can count that out.
1: Yes. Because I remember even one of the doctors in the documentary talking about how when she learned those statistics in medical school, she like went home to her mother to be like, hey, do we have anyone in our family then? Because we must. We have to. And -hmm. then she sort of found out. And she's like, wait a second. Like, why isn't this talked about? Why are we... Sort of keeping this a secret when people are suffering basically in silence all around you, and you could also end up in similar situations as them. And since no one's communicating, no one knows really what's going on. And it's so sad if you are suffering in silence.
0: Yeah, it's really sad. And I would say, families, they don't talk about it too much. It's kind of like hush, hush. And then also you're kind of like pressured into just try to have another child, just rush back into trying to conceive mm-hmm. another child. And honestly, you might not have processed the loss, the grieving that you're going through. And I would say even as a healthcare professional working in the emergency department, we do get a lot of women that come in, unfortunately, suffering you know, spontaneous miscarriage. and. It's a very tough situation of how to handle it, how to, what to say, how to not be insensitive. It's just very hard. It's just an awkward conversation. You're trying to be very respectful because until we do blood work and get an ultrasound, that's the only way that we can figure out what's going on to determine if you lost the baby or if you're just having routine, normal bleeding. A lot of times it takes some time. If the emergency department is crowded and you're stable, you might have to sit out in the waiting room until we get a room available. And then once you get to the room, we have to draw blood work. It takes time for that blood work to come back. You have to go over to ultrasound. It takes time for you to get to ultrasound and then also just to get those results back. So all this time, you're just frustrated. You're scared. You just want to know what's going on, what's happening and As a nurse, you just try to be comforting, let them know the step of the process, just let them know, hey, I'm doing blood work. This is the timeframe for this. I don't know how long it'll take you to get to ultrasound, but I'll keep checking. Like as so much time goes past, I'll keep checking. When you come back, like asking, do you need anything? Do you need any pads or anything? Just trying to make the process as comforting as you can, because it's just a difficult situation to deal with. And- They talked about one situation in the documentary where the woman, unfortunately, she her baby was stillborn and she was so far along in her pregnancy that she would have to deliver the baby. And that's just so sad. And like she said, she was placed on a unit, a mother-baby unit. So she's hearing babies crying and things like that. That's just so insensitive and, you know, so wrong, you know?
1: Yeah, because she even mentioned that when she woke up, because they had to sedate her after... Originally, when she went in for a routine checkup and then they noticed that her baby no longer had a heartbeat, she had just eaten So they told her to go home and come back several hours later because they couldn't do the procedure at that point in time. And then so it all really hits her. She said she went home and she had to pack up her maternity clothes, items that she had purchased for her baby because she didn't want to come back home and see those items out. And then they sedate her because it all comes rushing in, like all the feelings are realizing like this is what's happening. She wakes up. She can hear these other babies crying and she's asking for her own baby. And unfortunately, she had a very insensitive nurse who responded to her by saying, like, you're young, like you can have another child. Once they had to explain to her, like, you don't have your baby, like, unfortunately, your baby isn't here anymore. And it's like, who says that? Like, you're young you can do this again. Like, why are you making such a big deal out of this when, and I remember that woman saying, she was like, she doesn't know what it took me to get to this point. And that how can you just dismiss the feelings that she has for that baby that she literally just lost. And I don't get how like oblivious people could be to then put, put people in a position where they've gone through a stillbirth, a miscarriage, whatever it is, and they're now recovering in a hospital and they can hear newborns within earshot. And they're like, that just that's like re-traumatizing a person like immediately after something is happening and they can't even fully process and grieve in the way that they should be allowed. There needs to be like a special unit or something where they're not hearing other babies cry out.
0: Yeah, it's sad. And also, unfortunately, working in a hospital, a lot of times there is not that many beds available. So typically the mother baby units, because they have a high turnover, they'll have beds available. And this happened one time on our unit. A mother, I think she had given birth to a stillborn baby and she was on a maternity unit because that was the only bed available. But like you said, it's very traumatizing. I believe the mother was just like crying and just going off on staff. So they eventually transferred her to our, it was like a post-surgical unit. So she came on to our unit and the nurse is taking care of her, you know, just trying to be understanding and what's mm-hmm. going on. So it's, it's tough for healthcare professionals. It's, it's tough for patients, mothers, families experiencing this. I believe there should be somebody that you can talk to. I know in the hospitals, they typically have like a chaplain that you can speak to, but there needs to be somebody that can speak with women who have suffered like a miscarriage or you've given birth to a stillborn, or if you've had like a traumatic Birth because it's a lot to deal with, and also, healthcare professionals need to be trained on how to deal with difficult situations. Like, we understand how to take care of the clinical part, but what else can we do to emotionally support women that are going through tough, tough times? Because it's too often people don't realize what they're saying is just insensitive. You know, I've approached nurses before. I was like, you really said that to them? And it's like, that's why you got cussed out. You know, it's just like, (laughs) you need to think before you speak because yes, we may be seeing certain things a lot, but for a lot of women, they don't understand what's going on. This is scary time. So definitely needs to be some support groups, some education training for healthcare professionals on how to handle these tough situations and to have these tough conversations. Yeah, and I like with the documentary, they also discuss some of the main factors for black women that are struggling with fertility, struggling to get pregnant. So, three of the big common factors are fibroids, endometriosis, and PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, these are Common in Black women, they didn't go into details of why, but we'll probably have future episodes exploring why women are at high risk, because I know a lot of women that suffer from fibroids, and I've heard polycystic ovary disease.
1: Yeah, because uh, two of the statistics, too, especially when it comes to Black women, is that African-Americans are four to five times more likely to develop fibroids than literally any other race. And then 80% of black women will develop fibroids by age 50. So that's a big thing of like, what is going on that we Mm -hmm. as a community, we are being affected by it so much because fibroids is a huge impact. It has a huge Mm -hmm. impact on fertility, and just viability and implantation within your uterus. If you should even get pregnant where maybe there's no issue with like your egg and the sperm that's creating the embryo, but like going past that point and then having your, your child grow up, the fetus grow well is that's when you run into a lot of issues. And then Mm -hmm. another interesting um, statistic I know they brought up later on too, was that African-American women lead the world in hysterectomies which is insane. And I'm wondering too, if that might be tied to fibroids as well. The, the, I feel like there has to be a correlation there where we already are experiencing so many women who suffer from fibroids and how painful those can be. But I thought that was insane that we, we lead the world in hysterectomies.
0: Yeah. And after... We record this episode. I want to look into, has there been research done on Black women and why we are at a higher risk of developing fibroids? And it seems that the only answer is to have a hysterectomy. Like they're not given any other choices other than just have your uterus taken out. But it's like, what if you want to have children? It's not possible. So I just, I definitely want to look into seeing why we are at such a higher risk and why... Are women, African-American women specifically, just offered hysterectomy. Mm, like, what the, else can be done?
1: Yeah. And I know they did highlight in the documentary one woman who I think then went on what is her name? Jessie Thompson. She went on to then be a huge advocate and work in the field of fertility Mm. because she suffered from fibroids and dealt with fertility issues, I think almost like 15 years. And once she found out that she was dealing with fibroids, and I think this was like literally her early thirties, if not like she was only 30 years old when she found it to be difficult to conceive, she found out she had fibroids. She went and had the surgeries to remove them. And then going through that process for years and years and years and having other ways that we'll discuss too, that they talked about in a documentary to help her with her fertility. She was finally able to get pregnant, conceive, like, yay, this is happening. And then she went in for one of her routine checks and found out that her fibroids, of course, like, unfortunately had returned. Mm-hmm. And And they were causing an issue called fetal growth restriction. So Mm -hmm. the fibroids were growing and cutting off the blood supply to her fetus. And Mm -hmm. luckily, through a procedure of going in and removing her baby, I guess pretty much a C-section, but very, very early on into her pregnancy, I think she said her baby was two pounds at the time. Her baby was able to survive. And she's one of those sort of lucky in a way like miracle stories where she had just suffered so long to even try to get pregnant. And the huge issue was her fibroid issue. So it's, yeah, it definitely needs to be looked into and the documentary does touch on it, but yeah, we don't, we don't know. We aren't given a reason why, like it's such a huge thing in our community, but it was Mm -hmm. at least nice to see that like she had, a happy ending. And she even said how like what she went through, it ended up being like highlighted in magazines and people started reaching out to her. And then she realized, okay, through my story and through my experience, like I can help other people. So that's like sort of where Mm -hmm. she realized that was her calling. And like, that's, that's such a beautiful thing that, that happened that she could recognize that and then try to go and help other people.
0: And I like one point that the documentary brought up is that women are born with the amount of eggs that they will have for the rest of their life. So when you're born, you have that um, same amount of eggs that you'll have. So as you age, they said these are the same eggs, they just are getting older. And the Mm -hmm. one person she mentioned there should be routine testing done to calculate what's called your ovarian reserve. And let me just pull up the definition. So the ovarian reserve is the reproductive potential left within a woman's two ovaries based on the number and quality of eggs. So as a woman, they recommend you get a pap smear done yearly. So every year. So to calculate your ovarian reserve, they were saying it is an ultrasound and blood work. So I believe at the pap smear, they sh- maybe at your initial pap smear, they should do the ultrasound and also take the blood work to calculate your ovarian reserve. And if it's normal, then maybe every three to four years, you get it done just to check to make sure it's normal. And it could be optional. Say you like, I don't want this, that's mm-hmm. fine, but it should be offered to women and be included and your insurance. So that way, when you're doing the ultrasound, you can catch some fibroids growing. And if it's in a dangerous area, like, oh, we need to, we should get this removed. Or how about we follow up in the next six months just to see where it's going. And if you're, you know, trying to have children or you're at a certain age, like, hey, this is what your number is looking like. You may wanna consult with, uh, fertility doctor, just about your options. Because the documentary pointed out, it's not until you're in like your late 30s, 40s that you're really starting to think about, oh, should I be freezing my eggs? What is my ovarian reserve count looking like? How many eggs am I producing? And it's kind of at that point, you're kind of on the tail end. So if we can start educating women now to look at these things so that they can, you know, start having these conversations with their significant other, Like looking at your insurance and seeing what they will cover and pay for. It's like these conversations need to be had. And it also, this documentary, it should be shown in sex education classes, maybe in high school. Like this is informative information. Or when you go to get your first pap smear at whatever age, you know, recommend to moms like, Hey, show this documentary. These are conversations that you should be having. And I'll harp on it. Sex education in this country is just lacking. And they pointed out in the beginning of the documentary, they'd be like, when you're younger, they'd be like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. And then, you know, (laughs) as you get older, they're like, when you going to get pregnant? When you going to have a baby? When are you going to be doing this? But don't want to discuss that it could be difficult having a baby. If you suffer a loss, nobody is there to, you know, support you or do things like that. So... Just these conversations that we need to have and we can move into assistive reproductive technology and just the disparities that exist there and just the cost.
1: Yeah, because the cost alone and then access to it. And I thought they had a really good quote from the president of the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology. And they said it is clear There are differences among racial and ethnic groups in terms of frequency, access to treatment and treatment outcome. We have a great deal more work to do to identify the causes and eliminate these disparities because the big ones that they talked about were IVF, egg freezing and surrogacy. And so especially with the IVF or in vitro fertilization, they were just saying like the base cost alone is like. 12 to 15 grand. And Jeez. then depending on what you got going on, if you're the the woman carrying, like maybe if your eggs aren't viable, a donor egg could be five to 50 grand. Donor sperm could be 500 to $5,000. And then just medications that you have to take to go through the IVF process
0: is three to five grand. That's, That's a lot. Do you have 30 to 50 grand just lying no, around ready to no. pay for this upfront? And this is like,
1: <laughs> this is all to try to have a baby. We're not even talking mm-hmm. about actually then becoming pregnant with said baby and going through that mm-hmm. gestational period. And then after the baby is born, it's just up front. Do you have this money in hopes that it works, in hopes that you can then have a baby?
0: Mm-hmm. Lots of times... It may not happen on your first round. So just think you have to do multiple rounds. So this is a lot of money.
1: A lot of money and it's not being covered, not all of it is going to be covered by insurance. This is a lot of out-of-pocket costs that most people can't really afford. You're not in a position mm-hmm. to afford that. Where I'm also wondering, you were maybe saving up for like, oh, I'm gonna have a baby. And so you started a fund. I don't think your fund was ready to be hit with 30 grand up front. Yeah. It's it's so mm-hmm. much. And I remember someone on the documentary pointed out how, you know, if there was an issue with male sperm count. There would right. be, you know, clinics and things on every corner in every city where men could go and and get the testing and the help they needed to increase that sperm count. And it's so true because we're put in a situation where we're not given that same support. And even egg freezing, which is another option, especially when you are in a position of you're have we're having in general, women are having kids later on in life because of our access to so many other things and just life in general, what you're doing in your twenties and thirties, maybe you're not ready at that point to start a family, but egg freezing costs 10 to 20 grand. I'm sorry, Uh but like, I know for a fact, like you said, since we start out with the amount of eggs we're going to have. And over time, the quality and of course, number of your eggs decreases, you want to try to freeze eggs, as early as you can, maybe like your twenties, but yeah. who the hell has 10 to 20 grand in their twenties? Just be like, right. let me put these on ice until I'm ready and come back later. Like, no, like you don't you don't have that kind of money. And even there were women on there uh, and they were older too in their like later 30s that were like they were able to like make it work, figure it out and do it. So then A big thing, too, is that uh, they were pointing out that, like, now they're not holding on to relationships or engaging with men and partners that before they were maybe willing to settle and accept because Mm -hmm. they were like, hey, I'm getting older. I I need somebody to have this baby with. Now that they have sort of like a safety net. But. They're in a position where they're able to afford that safety net. A lot of people aren't able to.
0: Yeah, it's if you're a single income house and you want to have a baby just paying for these costs alone. And also you need to factor in the time and support that you need going through this. In order to go through freezing your eggs or in vitro fertilization, you have to take the one woman she was saying she was taking between 30 and 40 pills, but you have to take a lot of medication and these affect your hormones. So you're very emotional during this time. And also a lot of times you have to go for injections. So, and also regular doctor's appointments. So you need a job that allows you to have that flexibility to go and have these treatments done, go to your appointments. And they were saying these reproductive technology such as IVS and egg freezing, it's mostly the majority of the women that are accessing them are white women. And a lot of, they point out, Black women are single moms. They're working alone. Or if you're reaching a certain age, you may be getting married later in life. And then they also say you have a lower success rates for minority women. So I'm curious to know why. And I believe it's just like education, just a lot Mm -hmm. of of women in the documentary, they were in their late thirties going on forties, and they just found out about their options once they hit a problem. So it's like, Black women need to know what their options are, what they should be doing in their 20s, their 30s, things to think about. So these conversations should be had with your GYN doctor or just amongst your friends and other women. Just start having these conversations because everybody's like, yeah, I want to get married. I want to have kids and everything. So it's just like, okay, so what's your time frame? You know, have you gotten your ultrasound and your blood work done to make sure you're producing enough eggs and things like that. So just reducing the stigma and just start having these conversations and just talking about is if you can't have a baby naturally, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is expensive.
1: It's super expensive and even like another option of is like surrogacy. And then Uh they even quickly went into the cost of that, which is just like, depending on like if you're dealing with a surrogate who's had one child to maybe three children, the cost can range from 22,000 all the way up to 45,000. And again, that is just for the surrogate themselves to pay for this woman to carry a child in her uterus for you. That's not including like, all the other things that will come along. And they had one surrogate on the documentary who spoke about how the first time she was a surrogate was like when she was 23 and she ended up miscarrying, unfortunately. So Mm. again,
0: these- It's not guaranteed.
1: It's not guaranteed. It's not. It's really not. And that's really the importance, like you said, of having these conversations, educating yourself and learning about all of your options as soon as possible because- There's a lot of money that has to go into this and nothing is guaranteed. It's, you're just hoping that, you know, this time it'll work out. And, you know, that's scary. Mm -hmm. The, the emotional toll too, that these sort of assisted reproductive technologies can take on your body because you are literally injecting yourself with hormones to cause your body to release a bunch of eggs at one time. Like, that's a lot is you you go through a lot. So they did also touch upon adoption and how that also needs to be talked about as Mm -hmm. a a viable option. But then they also addressed too, within the black community within our community, that a lot of times that can happen with relatives where they even highlighted a woman who noticed that her niece and nephew weren't doing well and her brother and sister-in-law was struggling to parent their their kids and luckily she was able to step in and be like hey how about they come live with me for a little bit you know see how they do with you know their school work and everything and see what happens and she ended up taking care of her niece and nephew for I think from middle school up through high school and that's so beautiful that she was able to to do that for her family members
0: Exactly. And what I like about the documentary, they highlight you have options. So it gives you a lot of information to think about and conversations to start discussing with your family and also your loved one, your significant others. And just letting you know there are choices, like if you want to have your own child, the IVF, the surrogacy, the freezing of your eggs to start looking into those And just start by maybe just getting an ovarian reserve test done, just asking your doctor. And then also, if you don't want to go that route, you can have, you know, possibly a surrogate or you can also adopt. And then there's people that don't want to have kids. And like we pointed out in the beginning, it's our bodies, our choice. We can decide what we want. And there should be Mm -hmm. no stigma, no shame around whatever you choose to do. And I really like how the documentary just highlighted that. You have options, things that mm-hmm. you can look into. So just how to advocate for yourself, what to look into, to figure out what works best for yourself or yourself and your family. So you have options. I really enjoyed this documentary. I learned so many things. They cover so many topics from miscarriage, the fibroids, PCOS, just the different types of advanced reproductive options, and just what you can do. We just want to point out, we recommend everyone to go and watch the documentary, Eggs Over Easy. It's available through the OWN channel website, So if you have the OWN network, you can find it through your cable provider. And we'll provide a link to the Eggs Over Easy website where you can also find more information. And we just wanted to point out, they stated that the intention of this documentary is to shed light on the ups and downs of fertility in the lives of Black women, primarily as a means of uncovering the taboo topic And sounding an alarm for younger women to be aware of and proactive in their reproductive options. So after watching this, I'm going to look into my ovarian reserve numbers just to see what they are and, you know, just start having these conversations. And like you said, thinking about, do I want to have a child? The costs and different things. Because like you pointed out, we might have cut it from a previous episode we're at the age where we are considered <laughs> to be geriatric pregnancy. Like if we were to have babies, they would consider us geriatric.
1: <laughs> Which <laughs> yeah,
0: is crazy.
1: It, it's so crazy because yeah, you just realize that oh wait, like this is this is yeah. how biology ha- is set up. That because I didn't have them in my twenties, now all of a sudden it's just like, girl, it's gotten much harder if you want right. them. It's gotten so much mm-hmm. harder and it that's just a fact of life unfortunately, but education is so important. Mm-hmm. Talking about your options is so important. Learning about things through like you said documentary, this should be shown. In, in health education classes. So people are aware of what's going on and just the choices that you have available because yep. the sooner that you know, the, the more well-prepared you are for what comes next and you can better plan for your future too.
0: Yep. Because they pointed out in the documentary, some states, IVF treatment is totally free. I need to look Uh, I feel like it's probably somewhere in like Seattle, Washington or somewhere that is free. So depending (laughs) if you find out early, like hey, oh, my reserves are a little bit low. I want this. You could possibly consider like getting a job in Mm -hmm. those particular states. You know, (laughs) you can be targeted. If this is something that you really want, you can think about it. Or I need this type of insurance. Which type of Mm -hmm. jobs offer this insurance? You know, this is something that you consider when you're taking jobs, the type of insurance that they offer. So I like that this is about giving us the information so that we can... Discuss what we want to do with our bodies and just make proactive decisions and choices. And it's never too late, no matter what age you are. Like, if you Mm -hmm. want to have a baby, if you want to be a surrogate, there's also ways to donate your eggs. If you're interested in adopting a child, just start having these conversations and looking into what you need to do. Like the director, producer, she said, My eggs, my business. Thanks for listening to
1: this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and on Twitter at distrustpod. Thank <laughs> you.